All right, so this week, our topic is one that, uh, as I introduce it, here's what I want to do. I want to just give you an observation that I have uh, looking at our culture, and then I want to give you a little bit of commentary on it. So I'll give you an observation that I'll try to keep my opinion out of, then I'll give you my opinion, sure and then I'll that. ask you to <laughs> engage that. So here's my observation is right now in our culture, we really are a, a culture that is critiquing everything. Yeah. And uh, so really everything is, is in essence, up for critique. So we're, we're evaluating uh, how women are treated. Um, we're evaluating how races are treated. Uh, we're evaluating people's language, how they're phrasing things, even the value systems of corporations, which is pretty unique sure, to yeah. this generation. Um, we're even evaluating capitalism versus other forms of you know, economic strategy. And so really everything it seems to be is like on the table to be critiqued. Okay, so that's an observation. So yeah. here's my commentary. My commentary on it is that people don't like it. <laughs> sure, yeah. So that people are, um, you know, again, as I look at it without knowing what everyone is thinking and feeling, what it seems to me is for a lot of people, it feels very threatening because it's shaking what was their norms. Mm. Um, for some, it feels very disloyal because some of the comments are, and critique is coming from the inside. Um, for others, it feels unfair because the mm. critique is coming on the outside. And, um, but that's just my, that's my opinion as I'm looking at it. So we're a culture of critique and people don't like it. Yeah. That's my platform for today. Yeah. Well, and like, to be completely honest, I've never felt so unequipped for that tension ever. Like yeah. you're here, like, you're absolutely right. The reality is we're critiquing everything. Uh, everything's up for grabs. People are taking shots at everything, which as we'll probably get into very healthy process. It's how right. you get better. It's how you grow. A big part of this podcast is about that very thing. I could be wrong being able to critique things and understand how they could be better. And maybe I'm wrong about stuff, but in my opinion, at least for me, I don't, I was raised in a generation that, that, that wasn't really taught how to handle that. Well, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So like when I was a kid, um, uh, it was like the participation trophy generation. Sure. And I think we talked about it last week. I'm really cautious to like throw rocks at millennials because I think we get enough crap about, you know, just for. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it is a reality. It was a huge parenting trend when I was a kid, which is just like to really celebrate your kids even outside of what they've done or accomplished or whatever that might be. So like the whole participation trophy thing, this, this idea that like, well, we don't keep score at this coach pitch game where it's like, okay, I'm keeping score. My dad's keeping score. I know that dad's keeping score. I know the coach, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so like it's disingenuous, like, cause that's not how we are. But you were taught this thing of, even if you didn't succeed, even if the outcome of what you did wasn't successful, that you, it's still valuable or that you still, right. which, you know, from a 30,000 foot view, yes, you're still valuable because you're made in the image of God and mm -hmm. Jesus loves you and people love you. And you, but, but when it comes to the things that you've done, I grew up in a, in a time where, where critique almost felt foreign to me because everything else was celebrated along with success, right? Including failure, especially mediocrity. Yeah. It was it was it was celebrated. So we're in this season where it's like everything's up for grabs, and I found myself like this is like it's hard to process it because it's just it's something I've had to learn as an adult. I didn't get that as a kid, you know? right? Yeah, uh, in the participation trophy story. Uh, so I coach sports a lot. I have uh, four kids, and I've coached all of them in some capacity at this point. But I remember a few years ago, we had uh, at the end of the season, they, the league that we were in gave us these participation medals. And uh, we realized as we were looking at them, they gave us the wrong ones. It was for the other team. So we just told our team, hey, we'll get you the right ones. You know, don't, don't worry about it. Like a year and a half later, uh, I had a mom come up to me and said, uh, you know, we never, uh, I never got one of those medals. And we had f got the right ones and tried to pass them out, but her kid must have got missed. Sure, yeah. And I was like, 
oh yeah like i didn't know how to respond to it and she <laughs> she literally wanted me to go to the league and yeah. get a participation medal from like a year and a half before Gosh. and i remember like i just didn't know how to process it just i'm like, like trying to get me and i did like i actually said to her i'm like like you you know that's a participation trophy we, we lost right <laughs> now the truth of it is we had gone undefeated so I, oh, in no, defense, you know, yeah. we had done well but it wasn't for that it didn't sure. say undefeated it just literally was like you participated. You participated. Here's the belly. Yeah. So it was just funny to me. But all right. So I think we both agree. I think everyone that's watching or listening will agree. Like this is going on in our culture. So on top of that, we have uh, the the social media platform, which I talk about often. That's causing everyone to form an opinion. So it it is yeah. not just a culture critique. It is a culture critique that is being expressed by everyone in mm. every situation. Okay, so there are obviously some negatives to that, but here's the next thing that I want to talk about, and this is really the heart of today's discussion, is I would I would submit that not only is a culture of critique a necessary thing, it's a really healthy thing, mm. and if you value whatever it is that you do and or you love people, you have to critique things. Yeah, And, and I think this is the tension that is so often missed in our culture is they want to view critique as a negative and therefore they miss the value of it and and they miss the opportunity to improve yeah and so here's what i want to say to you because i i have embraced a cultural critique in my life and i was thinking about i was really trying to process through this because i i was thinking back and i was like i don't know that i had it modeled by my parents so where did this come from Mm. um my parents were were very encouraging they were very real with me i I know you've talked about your dad being very real with you and (laughs) and i'm sure we'll get into that some um but like i don't remember my parents like sitting me down and critiquing me but what i think is for me it was in athletics i was so into sports growing up was able to find success in it but i was harder on myself than any coach would ever be i was harder on myself than anyone else would ever be and not, I don't think even in an unhealthy way, but I was just like a realist. Like I right. knew like, oh, I'm not good at this, so I'm gonna work at it. So I was constantly critiquing myself, but this has become my rhythm. So even as a leader here at the church and with our staff, I have, I mean, it's one of our values as a staff culture yeah. is culture critique. But I know when you first came in, that was somewhat of a culture shock to you. Big time. And, yeah. and now you're one of the biggest champions of it and you are a big voice in preparing our staff that come on now. But will you just speak for a moment that difficult transition of coming onto our staff and realizing like as we were critiquing everything and and even explain like what that means, but how that impacted you first and what changed in your mind and heart to start to look at it as a positive and not an attack on you? Yeah, for sure. You know, kind of like what I started with, I wasn't equipped walking into it. I didn't feel equipped. Now, I had thought I was equipped for it. I think everyone in theory likes to think like, yeah, I accept criticism really, really well. Um, me, uh, me and my sister Mary, we're very similar. Like the way we learn is similar, the way we've approached, the way we've grown and changed is similar. Um, but we both had that same naiveness getting into a job like this, thinking like, yeah, I, I handle critique well. Um, but it was probably a solid year and a half of every time I got criticism over anything, it was devastating to me to the mm-hmm. point where I'd go home and I'd talk to my wife and I'd be like, I don't know if I can do this job. Like, I don't, I'd really, like, I'd go home and say, like, like, I feel like I took the wrong thing. I feel like I'm not called to do this. I feel like, I, you know, all these things. And it was because I had one massive issue that I didn't sort out prior. Mm-hmm. And once I did, it changed my entire life. And it still is daily. It's a life-changing thing where where the more I embrace it, the more, you know, I've been, I feel like I've been better about it for years now. But even so, it's like a daily journey reminding myself and living in this space. And it's really just this, this tension. My value is not tied to my performance. Mm-hmm. 
Now, that doesn't diminish the value of performance. You want to perform and you want to succeed and you want to grow and you want to get better. But where I was feeling is every time I got sat down and someone said, hey, this wasn't that great. Let's try to change it or be better. Rather than saying, wow, this is an opportunity for growth. Wow, this is an opportunity for my ministry to get better. It was a, wow, I, I suck. Or mm-hmm. wow, I failed and I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. now. And then, and then in my experience, it can go two ways. Mine was more of a shameful route, which is, which is off on its own route, but just feeling that like, oh, down on myself, like, oh, I'm no good. But then there's another category of people who theirs is like a, almost aggression of like, mm-hmm. well, only because this, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, oh, well, well, it's because so-and-so didn't give me, well, I thought the deadline, but oh, and then they'll give you the 15 things. It's like, just keep your 15 things. Like, let's just right. keep it about the criticism. But when you're not capable of understanding that, like, hey, I'm still okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I might get critiqued, but like, I still have value. Like, it doesn't yeah. mean I'm an idiot. Doesn't yeah. mean I'm not smart. I just, like I said in the beginning, I just didn't have that growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a space where I was celebrated for mediocrity nonstop. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I watched videos of me playing guitar and singing songs when I was like 16. It was awful. It's terrible. But if, but if you ask my mom, she's like, you were a genius. Right. Oh, yeah. Moms are good for that. Aren't oh, they? they're great. She just built me up, which is good in its own right. I don't know. I'm a new parent, so I don't, I don't have all the right. parenting strategies figured out. But she was so encouraging to the point where it was almost like, I feel like I, I am a genius. Right. And all of a sudden, you get into the real world and, finish, and realize very quickly that you, you're not, yeah. that you have places to improve, that everything I touch doesn't turn to gold. You know, And it just freaked me out. Now, luckily, I had a dad who, like on the other hand, was a little bit more of a realist. Like, yeah. like I remember when I was a kid, I played basketball in junior high, which is just like, not my thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love basketball. I'm just it's kind of weird because you kind of like in my mind, you look like the stereotypical. Sure, sure, sure. I, when people player. see me, they think short. <laughs> like <that's>, uh, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, no. In, in spite of what you may think, uh, no, that's not. I'm not a very good basketball player. But I try. I tried really hard. And my, I remember my dad sat me down and he's like, "Hey." <laughs> He's like, you are embarrassing me. <laughs> He's like, you are so bad. He's like, you have two options: get better or quit, and get and find something yeah. you're good at. Because like, because because this isn't how we do things. Like, you're not gonna, you know, you're not, you know, whatever. And you and different parenting strategies. You can say it in a different way. For mm-hmm. that's the way our family operated. And it was good for what it was. So in that, end, I, I did feel like I had a dad who who right. hooked me up a little bit with that. But I also had that mom who was just so encouraging. I, I, she'll probably watch this. Like, I love her. She's still encouraging. I t- yeah. I'll tell her I'm on a podcast and. Actually, <laughs> oh yeah, that's so funny. This past week, can I share this? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I get on Facebook and uh, I see your mom shared the podcast, and she said uh, uh, Michael is having or Michael's pastor is going to sit down with him. Yeah, for his podcast. For his podcast, and I was like, well, there's never been a more mom statement than like, that. That's, like, that's the way moms view the world. It's like, sure. oh, my yeah. baby's got a podcast. This is so great. Yeah. Um, but man, so she's so encouraging. But anyways, all that said, when I got here and I worked in the, on the staff. It, I just wasn't ready for that moment of like, hey, I can have bad ideas. I can fail. And it doesn't mean I'm going to get fired. It doesn't mean I'm in trouble. It doesn't mean I'm dumb. It doesn't mean I don't have value. Right. It doesn't mean I'm not called to this job. Yeah. What it means is there's improvements here. And once I changed my mind to that, man, it is a game changer. Right. And, and your your struggle through that helped me understand a better way to prepare future employees. Mm, yeah. Because what was at that point natural to me I realized was not natural to sure, most people. Yeah. And so now we, we go through the list of values. So it's different statements that we use, but you are not your idea. Yeah. Like those are two separate things. Like you can have different ideas, but we're going to throw an idea up in the air. We're going to try to punch holes in it. Best idea wins. And yeah. so like we're preparing people like you can have an idea. It might not be the one we go with, but it's still a healthy part of the process. 
And when it's done, and I really mean this, I think that we even talked about this last week a little bit, but when we get done discussing something, I don't think anyone takes ownership of an idea. Almost never. No, because like, yeah. I don't even, I leave a meeting, I don't know who started that idea, but we yeah. go away going, this was great. But it was that whole process. So we, we tell people like, everything's gonna be critiqued. And so even for what we do, the, like, the, the strategy that we use in our ministry is plan. So like you, you, whatever event you're doing, you plan for it, you execute, you critique. It's Super always that rhythm yeah. of, we, we plan so we're not throwing things together. We think about it, we try to do our best. Then we execute our plan, but then afterwards we come back and we look at it and we say, what could have been better? Yeah. And, and this is the, the part that I think a lot of people miss. The reason why we do that is because we genuinely love people. Mm. And, and I remember years yeah. ago when I was like in, in ministry and I was in a different position here, whenever I was trying to implement systems into things, there was some pushback because there were some people that would say like, oh, that's not relational. And I was like, no, it, it's so much more relational yeah. because it is what allows people to get connected. If you don't have any yeah. systems, when people come from the outside, they don't know how like the, the rhythm to get connected in relationships. And for, so for us, it's because we genuinely love people. And for us in the church world, we feel we have an eternal calling. I mean, like what we're doing is going to impact eternity. Yeah. And so it's not something that we just want to like go like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a huge stakes, deal. Stakes are high. Stakes are really high. Yeah, yeah. And, and even a part of that too is this calling that God has given us, it comes with accountability, it comes with yeah. responsibility. And so for us, we do, we want to evaluate everything because we love each other, but we love the people that we're ministering to. Yeah. And this is what I think in our culture right now is missed, is every time anyone critiques anything, it's viewed as an attack. Yeah. And, and I think, I understand why, and I'm super sympathetic to it, because like if I could give an example for, that I've walked through, there have been times that people from the outside of our church, like they don't go to our church, they're not connected to our church, they've critiqued us, and it usually just feels unfair, Yeah. right? I mean, right. you're just kind of like, you don't know me, you don't know our staff, you don't know our hearts, you know, and, and they critique, and, and so that you don't get a ton of value from that. But I've also known, if I'm just being vulnerable, that when people critique from the inside, sometimes it feels, it, it feels like hurtful because you, you view it as an attack yeah. and you think like, oh, I wish you would have given me the benefit of the doubt. And, and it's easy to try to dismiss it. But I have learned the hard way as walking through this is both from like, if I can use the term attack or critique, I'd say critique, critiques from the outside, critiques from the inside, almost always you can find value in it because Man, you can so understand good. at the bare minimum, this is how we're being perceived yeah. and we can improve it. But oftentimes they're actually addressing a flaw in your system. So I'll give one example, then, then you can dive in. Is I remember years ago, um, I, I, for some odd reason, I remember physically where I was. I was in, we were in the old building, and, and I realized every time I say old building, I point this direction because our building is physically <laughs> like that right way in the there. city. Yeah. Um, but I was in the old building. We were going to staff prayers in the second story of our building, and I was walking into the room uh, that uh, 220, and I was checking my email, and I got this email from someone in our church, and they were ticked. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like you know when yeah. you open the email. And it comes through like the the info at you know our church, right. and it was long. I'm like, oh, this this go. isn't gonna be good. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I'm reading through it. It wasn't mean spirited, but it was it was critiquing us on multiple levels because of some hurtful things. And so like I read it, and I remember just being like, at first, like your adrenaline spikes. You're just like you get defensive because it just feels like someone's attacking you. But I also I, I'm just thankful for the presence of God. I'm also recognized in that moment that like, I just had enough sensitivity to say like, there's something more here. So yeah. I read the whole email, didn't respond. We went right into staff prayer time, had this incredible time praying, 
And as I've often taught, when you get into the presence of God, it really does fix yeah, your heart. It aligns your heart sure. and mind. And when I got out of that, I responded in what I would consider a very gracious way to this person and was able to restore this relationship. They're now, and still for years now, been a huge active part of our church, friends of mine. But in that, I went away from it going, I now clearly see three or four things we have to change in our systems here at the church. And we talked about it. If I would have just stayed in the defensive mode, I could have dismissed it. Like yeah. I could have gone like, well, this is ridiculous because they listed nine things. I mean, come on, they're being, you know, sure. I, we all they're can angry, make our, they're frustrated, yeah. like they're just looking at, yeah. And, but yet we, we said, what's the value in this? And yeah. and we've even done that as a staff with outside criticism of the yeah. church. We go, okay, why, what are we doing that's giving that image and can we fix it? Sometimes you can't, but sometimes you can. Yeah, and that's, that's massive. So you might not even know this, but I'm like 99% sure I know exactly what situation you're talking about. That was like my second week here, working here. Yeah, it was pretty early on. So it was very that. early when I started working here. And that was like legitimately, that, that specific letter was the beginning of my journey to understanding this of like, wow. Because I read it too and I was like, man, is that intense? And I, in your own head, you kind of build the argument of like, well, and you kind of fill in the mm-hmm. blanks. Well, you just, you know, whatever. And then the fact that you reacted so graciously, I remember even then, like I said, it was maybe my second, third week here. It blew my mind. I was like, man, that is a whole nother deal. Like I, I hadn't experienced yet that yet in the church world or in like a professional sense. And what that started me on was this journey of understanding that like that, that's the game changing moment is when you can even take criticism, even if there's almost nothing of value and even if they're being mm-hmm. hateful and you can still find something to grow and learn from it, it is, it changes your life. Mm-hmm. It, it, it changes your life in a way that, you know, again, going back to how I said you can respond, you can either get bummed out of, oh, I can't believe they said those things to me. You can get aggressive of like, oh, well, they're dumb or wow, they were hurt by church. And that's why I think that of their, you know, whatever excuses in your head. But if you can go home and you can look in the mirror and say, is there anything I can do to be better? God exposed to me the brokenness of my own heart. Show me the truth in this letter. Show me the truth in this situation. How can I grow? How can I change? At that point, people's words, they hurt less because it's an opportunity for growth more. That being said, when people say rude things, it always hurts a little bit. But it just gives you this opportunity for growth. And, and even and even in that, there's so much safety in it. So being a part of that staff culture here, of feeling like I'm in this environment where we're going to critique things, and it doesn't mean that we hate each other or not mm-hmm. like each other. It means we can really take the you know the good out of it. It creates an environment where at first it almost sounds more dangerous. It sounds like oh that means like I'm going to get my feelings hurt, or I'm going to mm-hmm. offer up an idea and it's going to get shot down, and that's not great. Um, but all of a sudden your your mind shifts and you realize I can say whatever I want. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like I'll go into your office. How often are you like, like I come to your office almost once a week, you know, before the COVID stuff and say like, Hey, this could be a terrible idea. Right. You know, just cause, but I have no problem telling you my terrible ideas because how many times have those weird, crazy ideas turned into all of a sudden a whole collaboration now? It's, whole, it's, it's a winning idea. Mm-hmm. It started with a bad one, but it ended with something incredible. It's because people, you, you call it group hugging. We'll get together as a staff yeah. and we'll just take like, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? But all of a sudden we have this incredible thing and and, it, and we landed there because people felt really, really comfortable of just bringing up ideas and being able to say, mm-hmm. oh, that could be silly, but let me just say it anyways. Mm-hmm. There's so much safety in this in this culture. There's so For much sure. safety in this reality. Yeah, and I think what you just said is, is powerful because it's once you learn the safety within critique and how in the very end it's going to be better for you and everyone else, yeah. it is super empowering. So like when you Thank come you. into the office or anyone else, uh, so you're very visionary. So you you really are probably in the top one or two of our staff members who are constantly thinking about the future. So like yeah. I'm wired that way, you're wired that way. 
there's a lot of people, and I'm not devaluing anyone because we all are needed, but other people are, are always looking at how do I refine this current system? Some people yeah. are more focused on relationships and different stuff. So we, we all have different personalities, but you're constantly looking out. And what I love about it is oftentimes you come in with an idea, and I would say this of almost all of our staff, I don't think ever the original idea makes it through. Almost never. Almost never. But you'll come into my office with an idea and, and I'll go, and I will say, let's group hug this. Yeah. And sometimes group hug is all of our staff. Sometimes it's key leaders, yeah. whatever that pertains to. But we bring it in and they see that modeled all of each other that we come in and we like we go after this idea so that at the very end when it's done, it's like we all feel a part of it. Yeah. So that original person, their idea might not have gone through, but it really led towards something that's amazing. At the yeah. end of it, yeah. And then we're it's all incredible. excited. And so we've modeled it for each other that yeah. it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not have the best idea. And even we've had times where we've tried something and afterwards even laughed about it, critiquing <laughs> it, going like, that didn't work. That was bad. <laughs> like, that was bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. From songs that you know yeah. we've chosen. Oh, like, for sure. Like I know like with you and, and Mary, like you have like debates out there in the office oh, of like this song will hit. No, it won't. And then yeah. you try it and sometimes one of you is right, sometimes the other one's right. Yeah. Um, or I mean, and even for us as a church, like we've tried different service times, we've tried different yeah. strategies, and we just get done and we're like, okay. Like here's a perfect example: hot dog, Fourth uh, of July hot dog last year. Oh my gosh, the yeah. worst, right? Terrible. So like, uh, we we had over at the old building, we would uh, for the parade, we would hand out hot dogs. It was this incredible community thing. We loved it. Yeah. And so when we moved to the new building, we were kind of bummed. How can we, we still like, do it? How yeah, can we still? We can yeah. re recreate this. Oh, we know. All these people come in and they they're here for the fireworks and stuff. So let's do hot dogs. So I remember I was out of town. I was on vacation, and uh, I think I was on sabbatical last year. And I was so excited for you guys. And I text you, how did it go? And I think your literal response is, uh, I will never do that again. Like you got, <laughs> like it got killed yeah. via text yeah. in one moment because it was, Literally, it was a great idea. The entire staff was, and awful. the volunteers together, unilaterally were like, nah, this is not a good idea. Yeah. You yeah. handed out, you, you made like 500 hot dogs and handed out 12 or yeah. something. Yeah. something dumb Just no one it. was there. We had the times wrong. Like, like we were there too early. Turns out fireworks happen at like 930 at night. We're yeah. there at like six thinking like, they'll probably get here this early. Right. And we have, and we way overstocked on volunteers. There's probably like 30 people in their blue. How can I help you shirts? Like all yeah. hyped up. And we're just standing there for like two hours. Like this is really boring. Yeah. But it's one of those things where in that safety though, we found like, Hey, that didn't work, but that led to the next idea that did. Yeah. And that's and, incredible. It's and the gross. hot dog idea was mine. It was my idea to I do it again. Yeah. And, yeah, you're you're being kind. So I don't remember that. You you remember it was my idea, but it was just like one of those things where I even laughed. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's a bad idea. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing about it too is what I, what I hope happens, like even within our community, is that this idea of critique it, that it flows into every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Because we should be in a constant rhythm of being critiqued by by the Holy Spirit in our lives. I mean, this is literally what Jesus promised. Um, it's what David prayed in Psalm 139. He says, search me and test me. I mean, he's literally saying to God, like, bring to the surface the things in my life that are not pleasing. And then he says, but lead me in the way everlasting. So basically, let me paraphrase it. He's saying, like, show me my bad ideas, my bad ways. Yeah. Then show me the good ways. Show me the good path. Yeah, so good. And because yeah. um, here's what I'm thinking, like, in marriages, how many people never critique their marriages or their relationships yeah. or their behaviors and they don't even realize it, but as a result, they're just damaging yeah. so many people in their lives. So they'll, and this is the negative of social media is you can post something on social media. It could be awful, but you get five people to like it and you go, okay, it must Still be good. validated. Yeah. yeah, you're validated, not realizing, but there might be 15 people that got hurt by that. Yeah. And like, 
I'll give an example of just the importance of it in marriage. And I'll, I'll be super vulnerable. I, I try to be typically in my life. But 2019 was, without question, the most difficult year in my marriage ever, not because we had a bad marriage. Like we, Mary and I have a healthy marriage. We have a loving marriage. And I'm not exaggerating to say it's very rare that we have a, a fight. Like it's yeah. really a rare thing. In 2019, we made a purpose decision to critique our marriage. I mean, how unfun <laughs> does that sound, right? Yeah. But we realized at the beginning of the year, just I was getting counseling, we were talking, it led yeah. to wonderful discussions. And we just said to each other, there's a lot of unsaid things in our marriage. There's a lot of things we're sweeping under the rug. There's a lot of things that we're not addressing. And it just feels like some of that's building. Let's spend this year or however long it takes to address these issues so that we can get better. It was rough because yeah. we were consistently critiquing things right. to say, okay, like you, you asked for it, but that thing you're doing, I don't like it. And it, there were times where, you know, you're just like, if I'm being honest, you're like, oh, can we not do this? Right. You know, like, I don't want yeah. it. But then you just persevere through it. And for Mary and me, like our marriage has gone to the next level. Like right. 2020, we feel as close and as healthy as we've ever it's been in our marriage. Yeah. But it was a rough patch of that, if I can say it that way, sure, rough yeah. season where we're just like, Again, having so much fun together, loving each other, but critiquing things. Yeah, yeah, and that's the culture of critique, is it is rough. It is a challenge. Mm -hmm. It is difficult. I don't like when my wife looks at me right in the face and says, hey, you messed up. That's not fun for me. Yeah. What is fun and what is encouraging and what is, you know, really brings joy to my heart is from that place. You know what I mean? From that place of like me messing up and her, you know, telling me that I messed up is now I get to be better. You know, mm -hmm. it's the whole premise of I could be wrong. Now, if I can be proved wrong, now I can just be better and, and, and be right all over again. If I can embrace this culture of critique, if I can do the difficult thing, because again, well, you know what's really easy? Just look to your spouse and say, oh, well, you just da 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 Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fill in the blank with the yeah. 50 things they did last week that like now I've weaponized it and now I can disqualify your statement because I brought up something sure. that you did. Yeah. Or on the other hand, some people aren't big arguers like that. I naturally am. Very mm -hmm. easy for me to argue with people. Some people in that situation, especially with my wife, some people, it's, it's the victim thing. I'm like, well, I guess you just hate me, or fine, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm a, you know, and it's easy to fall into those camps. It's like, like we talked about in the beginning. You fall into these traps of avoiding critique rather than doing the hard thing and saying, like, again, God, search my heart. What's broken? What's ugly? What can be better in this situation? So Gina, she's like the most peaceful woman I've ever met. Very kind. But even in spite of that, sometimes she'll say something that feels like, like, oh, you could have said that nicer. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, I can find myself going down this like it's a scapegoat. You know what I mean? Of like. Right. Oh, and now we're going to talk about the way you communicated that rather than me just like doing what needs to be done and saying like, mm -hmm. you're right. I could have, you know, I'm, I dropped the ball. I can be better in this area. Mm -hmm. And as long as we continue to make excuses, you know, whatever that looks like in our own personal life, whether it be in our marriage or our job, we will always find ourselves not growing as a result. Right. If you can't just embrace that culture of critique and understand like, mm -hmm. you know, hey, I can get better. I can get better that, you know, and, and again, detaching your value and understanding like it doesn't mean that I'm the worst. It doesn't mean that mm -hmm. I'm. Um, man, I found just unlimited growth in that. Yeah. Yeah. So let me think about it. Like, so for us in our environment, um, we have a close proximity to each other. So we have, we're close in relationship. We're close physically and we have a culture of critique. So we're going to, we're going to really, uh, debate different ideas. We have discussed different things, but for like the average person that's watching this or listening to this, they might be going, okay, I, I want to be critiqued. But how do I go about doing that? I mean, mm. you don't you walk up to a person and say, "Critique me." You know, <laughs> sure, how do yeah. they? How do people discover that their ideas are flawed? How how can they grow in understanding? How can even in their behavior to evaluate their behavior 
how can they be purposed about it? Yeah, you know, for me, I've always been an advocate for build the things that you want to see. Mm-hmm. So this is like a like a like I guess a sidebar, but um, when I first moved here, I was really upset that there wasn't like a music scene. Mm-hmm. It bummed me out. I was like, man, I feel like there's no people who write songs. And I probably spent, you know, I came from a big, bigger city in San Diego, and I just felt like that was such a missing piece here. And I probably spent over a year, maybe two years, just being grumpy about that. Mm-hmm. And finally, I realized, like, well, why, why not just do it? Like, why not just be the solution? I can keep complaining about it, or I can try to set up a culture where, where a people who get together and we write music, and we and I have that thing mm-hmm. that I so desperately wanted, and we did. And from that community, we have like incredible worship songs coming out of Lancaster, Ohio. We have incredible right. music. It's it's so cool. And so for me, if you're hungry for that in your life, like, man, I want that kind of critique, build it in a healthy way for the people around you. So if you have a couple of close friends, start building that as an expectation where you talk about, even just asking a really honest question. Hey, so my go-to for a lot of things is Kenny. He's our tech director here. Mm-hmm. I ask him all the time, like, am I being too rude? Am I being too intense? I'll be in his car and I'm like frustrated about something. And he's the number one guy I say, yeah, you absolutely are. He's like, mm-hmm. here's another perspective. You have to encourage that dialogue with people. Okay. You have to offer yeah. in a healthy way. You have to accept it in a healthy let, way. Let me pause and just, I want, it, it's my rhythm to say, okay, let's repeat that because yeah. you can't miss what you just said is you will never develop a culture of critique for yourself if you don't invite it and respond well to it. That's so good. So yeah. if, if you don't invite it, which is funny, I just repeated your thing and you go, that's so good. Yeah. Like, yes, that's so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I nailed that one. Uh, no, but it, it's the truth of like, because we, we talked about this, I think even last week we did, if you have to, if you develop a culture where people have to buck up to talk to you, oh, they won't. Yeah, they just won't do it. I even said to my wife this week, we were driving and we were kind of talking about this idea and I said, when is the last time you've been in any environment where someone said something that was like inappropriate or wrong and someone immediately said to them, that's inappropriate, that's wrong. Like we could not think of a time yeah. where, you know what I'm saying? Where yeah. like, now if someone were to say something inappropriate here, I would confront them, but no one does. Sure. But it's just like, we could not think of that because that's not the normal rhythm. Yeah. You have to have a relational conversation and give someone permission to say, you can you can speak that to me. If, yeah. if I say something that's inappropriate, if I say something that's illogical, if I say something that's uh, you know, I would even say like biblically incorrect. Yeah. Confront yeah, yeah, yeah. me. Like, right. let me know. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but just let me know. And so, yeah. And you, and you have to mean it. You have to mean so it. So when yeah. the time comes and they do that and they give you that opportunity for growth and they say, yeah, when I asked Kenny, he goes, yeah, actually, you're, he's like, I think you're being too intense in this situation. I said, I think you're, you know, I, my natural bent isn't a ton of empathy. So I'm like a type eight on the Enneagram and that's very much like, very vision directed and here we're going mm-hmm. and if you're not in that vision like it's very easy for me to not even take you into account so, so kenny will catch just because they're good friends too he'll, he'll catch me on that track where i'm like steamrolling and he'll just give me that hard critique and say like well, what, do, what, do you, what do you how do you think that person feels like mm-hmm. they're not going to be willing to speak up in that moment you just talked over them and that's yeah. that moment where i'm like <sighs> where mm-hmm. i could be like you know forget you kenny you know right. or i could say like all right like <laughs> god search my heart here and then from mm-hmm. that perspective my relationships get better you just have to mean it and you have to follow through when it happens cuz yeah. cuz you might invite it but then the moment it comes you get a little bit mm-hmm. you know well what do you mean by that and you can get offended you have to really buy into it or else you know you won't find that growth it won't happen i agree and i think you have to measure the person's personality that you're talking to and inviting it it might not be spontaneous. A person might not be ready to immediately give you critique. Yeah. But if you give them permission to think about it, I think about it even with uh, like our directors, um, I recognized that not everyone processed at the same speed that I did. And that's yeah. not saying that I'm smarter. It's just 
because oftentimes I'm a verbal processor. I'm a yeah. let's talk it through processor. So it's like I'm immediate. Like so, if you come to me and say, "Here, I got this idea," my brain works pretty fast, and I'm like, I can come with some good questions, and we talk it through. I realized there were some people on staff that literally needed a day or two, yeah. and so I started sending out agendas ahead of time. Or I'll even do this now, like, "Hey, tomorrow when when we all get together, here's a topic I want to talk about." Because you have to give people time to process it so that they can give you an, an accurate response. Yeah. And, uh, and so again, it's taking their, their personalities into account. Yeah, and that's impact, impacted our work culture in a really big way. So the, so the same people you're talking about are genuinely some of the most intelligent, gifted, spirit-led men and women of God that I know. Right. And when you afford them that opportunity and to say like, hey, you know, we're, we're gonna have this culture of critique, but we're also gonna do it in a way that works for everybody well, where everybody mm-hmm. can have a voice. And you know, because again, you put enough big personality people in a room it's hard to get in a word in edgewise. Everyone's just, yeah. especially when you're not like the fastest verbal processor, all of a sudden a whole meeting happened and you feel like, well, I was just a watcher at that point. Yeah. You, you've been so intentional about how can we build, we're gonna still, we're not gonna apologize for the culture critique, this is important, mm-hmm. but how can we even do it in a way that makes sense for everybody? Mm-hmm. And man, it has created the best ideas, the most healthy environment, the safest environment and all that stuff. And if you can do that, man, if you can do that in your home, like, so I know my wife communicates totally different than I do. I grew up yeah. in a way where we just, talk and yell big nonstop. Like that's mm-hmm. just how my family communicates. I've got my parents in my house right now, me and my dad were working on a furnace and it was just like, we're just yelling at each other the whole time. Give me this, ah, oh, that's not where that is. Like we're just, <laughs> that's just how we talk right. to each other. Like yeah. Gina wasn't like that. So it took me a long time to even understand like, hey, if I'm gonna offer Gina critique, it can't be like that. Mm-hmm. It can't be the way I critique my dad. You know what you're talking about, get right, out of here. Yeah. I can't do that to my wife because she doesn't respond yeah. to it well. My wife has literally said to me in the past after observing um, members of my family, and uh, she'll she'll get mad at me probably for even sharing this, but like she's literally <laughs> said to me, if you would talk to me that way, it would hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like she just yeah. said gently, like if you ever would talk would, and uh, and I'm like, eh, I won't, you know, because I've learned that the hard way. Yeah. All right. So here's here's one more element that I think uh, there's a couple other things I want I want to hit before we're done, but one more thing is I think in our a way that we can self critique is to make sure that we're not just living in the echo chamber where we're not just reading yeah. and talking to people who agree with us. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a part that I, I see a lot of times on social media is it, people are sharing, it's what's referred to as confirmation bias, but they find the person who agrees with them and then they share that as if this is like, oh, see, this supports what I think. Well, we all can do that because we basically, we have so much information at just really at our fingertips. Yeah. You, If you search long enough, you can find people to support you. The real challenge is reading and trying to understand, not reading to debate, reading to understand the opposing perspective. And I think that becomes a self-critiquing tool that we can use in our lives to go, okay, I think this, but someone else thinks differently. Why? So like right now in my life, I I downloaded three different books. I, I live in the digital world. I downloaded three different books that are opposed to my perspective on certain things. And, and I'm engaging them, and it's really opening my mind. In some areas, it has 100% changed my mind. In other areas, it has tweaked things. And then in other areas, I'm still as firm as I've ever been, but I understand the perspective better and can appreciate it. So I can talk kinder to people yeah. about that and even more educated, and I feel safer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I had to be critiqued so that I can see what's wrong in my life. Think about the power in that. You literally allowed these books to critique your own brain and you didn't let your pride stick in the way of like, well, that's what I've always said. Now it's going to be embarrassing for me if I go tell people I believe mm-hmm. something else now. Or yeah. now, you know what I mean? It's just, and, and, and it, when you can do that, when you can take in that information, when you can take in that critique, 
it's it, it, it's unlimited amount of growth, unlimited amount of you know learning, just because it's you're you're literally within yourself celebrating that that same growth. And then again, what you've done, which is so incredible, is you didn't leave it there. You're not leaving it with books. We we did something similar with uh with the really specific theology a couple of years ago, right. a couple of summers ago, where where me, you, and Pastor Chris sat down and just read a ton about it and processed a ton through it. And we learned a lot of things. We, we we landed kind of where we thought we'd land, but we had a lot more empathy and understanding because sure, we yeah. allowed our own minds to be critiqued by these works and by these words. Yeah. Um, and then when you can translate that, like like we were talking about, to your family and to your work culture with your mm-hmm. friend group where you allow that, it's a game changer. All right, so here's the, the final thing. I'm going to make a statement, and then I want to ask you one final question about this. As... As I think about it, and this is what I've often taught at our church, is we have to be really careful of the standard that we're using to critique our lives. Hmm. So it, what typically happens with a person is they're going to use the standard. I think this is like a progression. And again, this is just kind of my opinion, but I think it's, it's fairly safe. Is the initial standard that most people use is the standard that their family gives them. What, what does mom think? What does dad think? What does grandma and grandpa think? Aunts and uncles in that community. Because I know my kids. My kids will ask me the most specific questions. They'll say, like, Dad, who was the best basketball player of all times? Mm. Why do you think that? And the reason they're asking me is because they're going to go to school and preach that as the gospel truth. Because right now I'm shaping their thinking, okay? So your family does it. But then at some point it starts to change. And then culture starts to influence that. You start to hang out with other people. You get into high school. You get into college and you're hearing way more stuff, you have social media, you're reading, processing, what's cool, what's accepted. So now that becomes a standard that you critique things. What does culture say about it? So there's problems with both of those, obviously. Families can be wrong. I think we've all learned that. Culture is ever-changing, so that's a, a changing standard. Then it comes to a point, though, where it just simply becomes our personal preference, mm-hmm. where we have, we've taken in what our parents have said, we've taken in what culture has said, we've taken in other sources, books we've read, podcasts we've listened to, yeah. pastors we've heard, we've read the Bible, we mix it all together, and then we're our own authority. That becomes our standard. Obviously, there's a lot of danger in that, too. But then where I hope we all get is to where we're saying we need a standard outside of ourselves, and that's what I would clearly say is the Word of God. The Word of God has to be the standard that we use to critique everything in our lives. The reason why this is so important is if we don't, and this is where I'm getting with you, if we don't use the Word of God, then we fall back into some other system that someone else defines for us, and that becomes, at times, a box that's really unsafe. And so I'm going to make a statement that has the potential to offend everyone, but I think where most people are falling into is one of two political parties. And, and I mean, obviously, Republican and Democrat in our country, they're falling into that. And then all of the talking points for each of these parties becomes the standard that they measure everything through. And that is the most unsafe place to yeah, be yeah. because that standard can consistently be changing. But you're also allowing men and women who not all of them actively seek God and His ways to define for you how you're going to think and feel about something. And so what I'm seeing oftentimes happens is people are using the, everything that comes their way. They're using a political perspective to critique things. Yeah. And that's not what we're talking about. To yeah. use a political party to critique things is just, it's a, another version of bad, in my yeah. opinion. We have to have a standard that's outside of ourselves that, that is relevant to all generations so that we could be in that safe place. Yeah. And I think what is so devastating about what you just said and the reality that we're in that so many people feel that way and even myself like I can't sit here and say like I don't do that yeah I do I, I absolutely do I'll get caught in this trap of like 
because I'm a Christian, I must believe this. Because I grew up Pentecostal, I must believe this. Because I generally consider myself in this political affiliate, I must believe this as well. Here, here's where that gets super damaging and hurtful is people are really broken. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I'm very confident, I'm confident about a couple of things. One of them is this, people are really broken. Uh, you know, James would write uh, in his book in the New Testament, uh, the brother of Jesus, he literally said, your desires lead you into brokenness, which leads you into sin, which leads you to death. Mm-hmm. So anything that you're founding that on, this lens of how you view critique and how you view culture and how you view these things, it's not the word of God. If that's not the standard for your critique of what you weighed against, again, rather than saying what I mentioned earlier, God search my heart for what's broken. Yeah. If you skip that or even look to the word, God show me the truth here. Mm-hmm. And you fall on what you were talking about, these political affiliations, whatever it could be, the way your family taught you. Mm-hmm. When you fall into those things, it is the most unsafe and the, and the weakest position to be in because it's nothing could be as sturdy as the Word and the Spirit of God. Right. Nothing could be that strong or absolute. People are broken. They have broken thoughts and broken ideas. Yeah, because yeah, I've had a lot of discussions recently, and I, and I don't say this at all uh, to belittle anyone that this is relevant to. So if, if someone's like, oh, I've had a discussion with Matthew. He's talking about this. I'm not talking about someone specific. I'm just saying an observation is as we're discussing things, there are a lot of times that I'm laying out scriptures for people saying like, this is what the Bible says. And their response is some form of, but like this, but as Americans, shouldn't we yeah. you know, fill in the blank? Fill them, yeah. and, and I always want to say to them, you have to understand your heart is pure in that you're saying as Americans, don't we want to do what's best for America? And, and I understand that. But what I want to say to them is, as a Christian, you need to understand what's best for America is what Jesus said. Yeah. Like So like if you really love the country that God's placed you, which we should, we should absolutely love America, but what we want to do that's best for America is to do what Jesus told us to do. Yeah. So what's best for America is not always what a party tells you to do. What's best for America is not always what our founding fathers did. Yeah. Like we, people fall back on that. Sure. Yeah. What's best for America is what Jesus said to how we should treat one another to, to love and to forgive. And and so that's the challenge we're giving people is you have to open yourself up for critique. You have to create a culture of critique, but it always has to be on the standard of the word of God. Everything else will eventually just lead you down another destructive path. The word of God is the only safe path. And historically, that has proven itself time and time again. There has never been a man-made system that was perfect forever. Right. Never. Never, yeah. There was never a government structure that was perfect forever. Right. America's probably the closest. You know what I mean? But even that, as we can see right now, it's flawed in its own billions of ways. Anything that's made by man can't be perfect forever. And the older I get, the more I'm interested in allowing that critique to be filtered through things that are eternal. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Absolutely. Like love, joy, peace, peace, fruits of the Spirit. The things that come with being in the presence of God. That's what I want to let that critique fill. That's even the way I critique people. I want to be filled with those things. Yep. The way that I process that information through because that stuff lasts forever. Jesus lasts forever. The rest Absolutely. of it, man-made thoughts are man-made thoughts. They're going to come and go. Different philosophies will come and go, which is great. I'm not anti all that stuff. It's great right. too, but it can't be the standard for truth or critique. All right. So next time we're going to have Dr. Gordon on. He's a friend of mine, uh, and we're going to start to address the race issue. So I want to just do a quick recap of the last two weeks. I'm just going to briefly say it because what we did this on purpose is we wanted to set a foundation as we go forward and start to look at these topics that we're wrestling with as a nation, as a church. First and foremost is we have to have a humble attitude that says, I could be wrong. Like I want to have an open mind. I want to hear. I want to listen for the the purpose of listening. I want to hear someone. I want to touch their heart. Uh, And so I'm going to have a humble position. I could be wrong. But then also I'm going to critique. I'm going to critique my previous ways of thinking. I'm going to critique my perspectives. 
I'm going to allow others to critique it. I'm going to be open and humble in that moment. And if we were have this attitude, as we start to address these difficult topics in the weeks that are coming up, I'm really confident that people are going to start to see things differently yeah. and they're going to find a lot of safety and value in it. It's going to shake their foundation, but I think the end result is going to be something special. Yeah, I agree. And if you, yeah, to anyone watching, if you can embrace that, if you can embrace this tension and be ready for what we're about to do, go in with this mentality of I could be wrong, embrace that critique, let it influence the rest of your life. Not only just the topics we're going to talk about here, we're going to talk about all these, you know, really complicated things like racism next week. Allow it to influence your marriage. Allow it to influence the way you treat and talk to your coworkers. Allow it to, I promise, and I can say this so confidently because it's changed my life forever, it'll change yours as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.